New York Mayor Eric Adams made headlines recently when at an event he announced that migration is going to destroy New York City. Yeah, it turns out it's not our strength. It's not a blessing of liberty. It's not something that we as compassionate people have to accept. Actually, it destroys communities. It destroys cities. It destroys social fabric. It overloads the social services, the schools. It increases crime. It does all the things that people knew that it did to communities, but liberals just didn't care about. See, Adams is, of course, a massive leftist. He's somebody who talked constantly about how diversity is our strength. He talked about how important it was to be compassionate to migrants, how they had to be given every opportunity. He declared New York a sanctuary city, but of course he didn't mean any of those things. That was all nice to declare when it didn't actually impact his community. And he never expected to really have to deal with it because New York is so far away from where most illegal immigrants are entering the country. But of course we have the governors of places like Florida and Texas who were getting fed up with this stuff. And they decided to start sending busloads of these migrants saying, okay, if you guys are just going to leave borders open, if you're just going to inflict this onto border states on a regular basis, just because they're red states and you don't care about them, well, guess what? Now these people are coming to your town. Now they're coming to your city. Now they're going to your kid's school. Now they're living on your streets. Let's see how you like that. And it turns out they don't like it at all. Adams was talking about how tens of thousands of migrants are showing up to New York City on a constant basis and how it's overloading every aspect of their infrastructure, how it's making community life impossible, how it's a very dangerous situation. And you know, of course it is. This is a constant thing. Everybody knows this throughout history. All you have to do, you can look at the from, from the Roman Empire up to today. Mass migration on a regular basis is absolutely toxic to any political body to any country to any city to any state any community it fundamentally changes all kinds of things about that community you have a lot of people coming in who don't speak the language a lot of people who are completely unestablished in the community they have no family there they have no ties they have no churches they have no one to fall back on except of course the government you have some people of course who are going to be criminal because you don't know who is coming in that border? You don't know where they're com coming from. There's no real background checks. There's no actual control. So you're, of course, going to introduce some amount of criminal element into the situation. You're going to have a lot of people who can't communicate in your community that are going to need services that are in many different languages. Again, Adams pointed out during these comments that so many of these people aren't even from countries that would traditionally be thought of as next to the United States. It's not just people coming from Mexico or Venezuela or some of the, the areas that we usually think in Central America that would cross over into the United States. You've got people coming from all around the world through the southern border because they know the southern border is just completely wide open. And they're all moving up now into not just the South, but now they're actually moving into places where liberals are affected by this. And all of a sudden, all that high-minded talk about tolerance, all that high-minded talk about compassion, all that high-minded talk about accepting people into your community, it turns out that there's just a logistical problem. At the very least, even if you want to ignore everything else about the impacts of mass migration, 
there's simply not power grids, there's not sewage systems, there's not roads, there's not healthcare facilities, there aren't schools, there aren't all of these things that have the capacity you need to take on a constantly swelling population of people who are by definition gonna be on the lowest rung of the socioeconomic ladder. Look, people come to countries and they usually are in a situation where they've got to make their fortune. They came there for a reason, right? They're coming there because whatever country they were from usually doesn't have as good a conditions as the one they're going to. And so they're there because they're going to be at kind of the bottom of that status, no matter what that society's like. So when they come in, they're always going to be at that level where they need a large amount of services, a large amount of care. And again, because they don't have a natural community already existing in the places they're moving to, the only thing that's going to be able to provide that is really going to be the government. So it's a massive strain on the government. It's a massive strain on tax dollars. It's a massive strain on infrastructure that all of a sudden has to mold itself around this. Now, of course, we who live down in these border states or in these high immigration states we, of course, have known this for a very long time. Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to fall. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar weakens, and that's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text ORIN to 989898 for your free info kit on gold. With thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Text ORIN to 989898 to claim your free info kit now. I've lived in Florida most of my life, and of course, the immigration here has just been radical for a very long time. It started, of course, really in earnest with the large amounts of Cubans who came in the area post the Castro regime taking over, but there's been a constant flood of people from Central and South America on a regular basis. But just as Adams is now finding out, we've known for decades that it's not just people from Central and South America coming across the border. We now have people from all over the place. We have people from all of the Caribbean islands. We have people from Haiti. We have people coming over from Africa. We have people from Russia. We have people from all over the world, all flooding through the southern border or you know these other easy access places in the United States because there's simply no real border enforcement. Everybody knows it, everybody's aware, and they're coming through for that reason. And that means that all of our services are radically altered. I mean, I was in education, so just to give you one scenario of what happens, we get a large number of students who don't speak English at all when they come into the school and those kids get put directly into the system because the idea is that the first priority is for these kids to learn English. And to be fair, that's kind of true. It's more important for the kids to speak the language than it is for them to necessarily understand the nuances of some particular book they're reading. 
but they can't even read it in the actual language of the people who are speaking next to them in all of their classes. And so all of a sudden, there's a large number of people in your normal classrooms where American students are normally learning English who don't speak the language, don't share the culture, don't know what's going on. And those kids have to receive an education. So of course you have to add different parts to your lesson. You have to have people coming in to help out. You have to translate everything. You have to work on special strategies. You get special trainings to do all of this stuff. But let's be honest, most of these kids aren't necessarily coming in right away, fired up, ready to go to learn English and integrate into the classroom. That's actually not what happens. Most of the times they all end up sitting together, continuing to speak mostly Spanish or whatever other language they tend to share on a constant basis, not really interacting with the wider class or with the wider curriculum. And so they end up just kind of copying what goes up on the board, filling in notes, whatever, and then moving on. And because these kids aren't really allowed to fail, you're not allowed to fail these kids because if you fail a English as a second language kid, if you fail someone who doesn't speak English, that is reflective on you. If you're failing these kids, what they do, what the administration does is they go and they search for uh, all of the strategies you were supposed to use. And if there's one strategy you didn't use, if you can't show that you sufficiently used every strategy and gave every opportunity, then they'll basically threaten you and say, well, these people could come back and say that you did not provide the accommodations for this kid. So you better just socially pass them along so that we don't have to worry about it. And so what happens is all these kids get at least C's, usually higher, and they get forced through the system, which means a lot of kids who speak English, who are American, end up getting lower grades than kids who can't even read or write in the language you're talking about, that can't even do the work that you're talking about, but they get those kids who can't speak English get higher grades just because they have to get socially promoted because otherwise you'll get in trouble. Now, this is just the, just one example in the education system, but of course this happens throughout social services. You have so many people pouring in, and again, they all need housing, they all need food, they all need healthcare, and they're not getting it right away. There's, these people are generally not getting jobs at Fortune 500 companies with great healthcare systems. So what are they doing? They're going to emergency rooms and they're not paying their bills. They're showing up to government-run healthcare facilities. That means that your hospitals are flooded, your emergency rooms are shut down. And of course, if these people aren't paying for their healthcare, you're paying through the health for their healthcare through your own medical insurance, your bills, your rates get jacked up, your ability to actually get service goes down, and all of these people get free healthcare without any real liability because they don't care about the rules of the system because there's not really anything for them to lose in this scenario. Again, this happens over and over again. Housing prices go up because housing becomes harder and harder to get. More people are here. They're all competing for it. The kind of starter homes that people might try to get a hold of start disappearing off the market because a bunch of people get together and uh, buy these up and split them up. What happens is a, a number of migrant families will buy it, uh, a, a house simultaneously, and then they'll all live in it together. Uh, you'll see a, a push for a lot more multifamily housing, which unfortunately often follows with crime in it. So that would, those things that should be there for starting families, for, for poor uh, families, for individuals who have a harder time getting into housing, all of those things vanish as migrant populations move in. The prices for everything is driven up. 
These are all problems that are well known. Obviously, just the cultural problem of having everybody in an area not speaking a, the same language. People walk in a store, they don't know what they're asking for, they don't know how to get it. That means stores need to start uh, prioritizing hiring foreign language speakers over English speakers. All of a sudden, you've got a preference for people speaking non English languages in your stores just, just to get work done. Your signs are in two languages. Everything becomes a mess. You can't go to the DMV or you can't go to any other government facility without having, you know, language, uh, nine different languages being spoken at the counter. You got to pull somebody else up who can speak Haitian Creole, somebody who can speak, uh, you know, different uh, Vietnamese or other languages like that, Spanish. All of this stuff adds to the inability of things to just have a natural flow and natural community. Now, of course, there are people who do integrate into these communities. There are people who find great futures. There are people who end up being big net positives to these communities. That, of course, happens. This isn't to say that it doesn't, of course. But having this mass migration where there's no chance that everyone is going to integrate, where everyone is going to learn the language, where everyone is going to be uh, brought in and made a part of that community, that's just a reality that is going to happen and is always going to be harmful. And there's also the fact that people have the right to decide who's going to be in their community. People should not have to have massive influxes of people into their community from anywhere if they don't want to. That is something that they should have the right to speak on. But of course, that's being actively denied by the government, not just denied, but they are ignoring basically all laws when it comes to how people should be moved in to the country. And now that this is finally hitting these more liberal northern uh, cities and states, all of a sudden they see the problem. Now that they're having to house migrants in hotels, now that they have them, you know, homeless camps on the streets, now that they have their schools flooded and unable to teach, all of a sudden they see the problem, the fact that they can't provide medical care. All of a sudden, these problems that have been very real in all these other states, but didn't matter because those were red states and they were the bad ones and they're the bigoted ones. So they sure deserve that diversity. Now it's a problem. Now, of course, the Democrats always knew that these were issues that were created by mass migration. But in many ways, they were counting on it. Remember, states like Florida and Texas are red right now, but the Democrats have constantly joked, constantly bragged about how they will flip the demographics of those states by basically just having open border policies. And they're counting on the fact that those shifting demographics will basically shift the whole state blue and secure it. Now, that seems to be true to a good extent in Texas. However, in Florida, we've seen a little different thing happening there when we had Ron DeSantis win with a big victory in many places, even places that are usually more Hispanic, places like Miami-Dade. Uh, when we see those big shifts, maybe that means that the, that the Democrats counting on that demographic transformation for their long-term victory, maybe that's not as cut and dry as they hope. But either way, they were happy to inflict all of the things that come with mass migration onto those red states in the hopes that, one, it would punish those states, and two, it would transform those states into something that is more politically amenable to them. And so they were more than happy to leave those borders open and let the consequences fall on states that they didn't think were going to matter to them. Now that it's all of a sudden heading to the north, they notice, right? So we've had people like Eric Adams say, well, we don't have the infrastructure like Florida and Texas to handle this. Well, guess what? We never had that infrastructure either. 
This is all just a burden that was dumped on our doorstep by people who didn't care, who didn't pay the consequences and thought it was funny or thought it was politically advantageous to them to go ahead and visit this problem on those southern states. So what is this? Where does this put us? Do we think that the liberals are actually going to learn a lesson from this? Well, I think the short answer is probably not. They care more about open borders. They care more about cheap labor. They care about more politically advantageous demographic transformation than they do about the well-being of states. But what we are seeing is that we, you know, we heard a headline here recently that inside the Biden administration, they're floating an idea of requiring illegal immigrants to stay in states like Texas. So now that the red states found a way for them to actually have to suffer the consequences, at least to some degree, of their policies, rather than change the policies, they just say, well, we're going to make it illegal for the red states to allow those consequences to go anywhere else. So we're going to allow the open borders to continue, but we're going to contain legally the consequences to just the states that we want it to happen. Now, we know for a fact that the Biden administration flies immigrants out of these, uh, these states often and even into other red states to make sure to spread out uh, the kind of the migrant impact and allow it to go into other red states that they don't like. So I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know if they're going to try to contain it inside of Texas. I don't know if they're going to try to redistribute more of those migrants to other red states instead of letting them go to blue states. If they're going to try to pass these laws that are going to lock them in, I, I don't know where they're going to try to go with this. But uh, one thing I do think is going to be true, even though they are feeling the actual pain of this, even though the actual consequences are coming home to roost, I don't think that's going to actually change the worldview of most of these people. We see how crime in San Francisco and these other places that have decided to get rid of police or defund the police or remove the, penalty, the criminal penalties for things like shoplifting. We've seen how even though the populations get angry about what happens, they see the destruction, they see the businesses leaving, they see the violence on the streets. Even though they see the social degradation, they still vote for Democrats. They still support these blue state policies, they just find some other way to blame it on red America. I think the same thing will probably happen here. We might get one of those little kickbacks. You know, there's always these conservative containment cycles where crime gets really bad. And then from like maybe a decade, they'll let somebody like Rudy Giuliani run New York City and kind of tamp things back down again. They'll let somebody like Ronald Reagan come into power and, you know, maybe cut down on a little bit of crime. But they always go back to this. At the end of the day, this is their religion. This is their set of beliefs. The evidence of what mass migration actually does to the community doesn't matter to them at all. At the end of the day, they just hope that it continues to punish their enemies, but they are going to leave those borders open.